here this morning, and the Roberts, is this your, I guess your daughter, right? And son-in-law? Very distant friend of hers. Someone you don't claim, so. <laughs> Good to have you all here with us, and uh, certainly joy to have you this morning. And we're going to be in Genesis 41 this morning, if you want to go ahead and turn there. And um, we're going to go ahead and take some prayer requests real quick. Um, continue to pray for the requests that we've mentioned. Um, if you tune in in our morning devotion time, we've been mentioning several requests quite regularly. Miss Florence said, Brother Everett's just praying uh, almost daily now that he'll wake up in heaven. And so pray for him. He's uh, having a very difficult time and uh, a lot of pain. So continue to pray for Brother Everett. Uh, also, Kim Coulter came by yesterday and had some prayer with her. Uh, she's uh, sick this morning, and so pray for her if you put her on the prayer request list also. Uh, continue to pray for June Bolin. And uh, I've not gotten an update this week on her, but I know uh, uh, about a week and a half ago or so, two weeks ago almost, she uh, had sent me a text uh, mentioning that her cancer markers were, were way, way, way down. So praise the Lord for that. And um, that was a real blessing, especially since her platelets were down so low she couldn't uh, have her chemo that week. So we praise the Lord for that. Good to see Brother Tom here. I guess you made it in this morning. So good to have you here today. And uh, uh, so continue to pray for that. Continue to pray for Brother Bob Schwabert uh, and under hospice care. I'm going to try to get by and see him this week. And uh, Lord willing, and the folks there will let me in to see him if he's not. Uh, able to, yes, ma'am. Uh, he's at home under home care, so he's at home. Yeah, the last I'd heard, at least, so uh, should still be there. Also, uh, continue to pray for uh, Gene Whitener, who took a fall a week ago Friday, I think it was, and had to have uh, a partial hip replacement. So she's, Miss um, Sandy talked to her this week, I think on Thursday, wasn't it? Uh, Thursday or Friday. Pardon me? Oh, you got to hold her son. Okay, I'm sorry. And uh, so she's having a difficult time. She's in a therapy at Scenic View, or no, not Scenic View, Crystal Oaks, over at Crystal Oaks. And uh, she's out of her normal routine and habits, so it's very confusing to her. Uh, she has a hard time remembering some things at this point, so continue to pray for her, if you will. Um, also, my sister, I know many of you have been asking. Uh, we praise the Lord. Uh, she had a, a spot on her liver that they were worried about, and it came back benign, so we thank the Lord for that. And uh, she does have another uh, cyst, and they're going to be dealing with that uh, hopefully this week. And I don't know yet if they're not sure if they're going to try to uh, do a surgery or uh, just uh, try to work through some medication-type things for it. So uh, continue to pray for her, if you will. Uh, but so far, good news from things that could have been very, very serious. Um, and we thank the Lord for that. Um, I've got some others that are slipping my mind this morning for some reason, and I apologize for that. Pray for the church to sell uh, over in DeSoto. Uh, pray for that. All right. Uh, also, I mentioned a couple weeks ago, uh, pray for the Valbuena family. They're missionaries of ours um, over in the Philippines. And when they got back, they were here. I don't know if you all remember, but a few months ago they were here in presented their ministry, um, and they went. They just got back uh, home on furlough right in the middle of the coronavirus uh, lockdown of everything. They got back to their neighborhood, and um, they have plenty of food at their house, he said, but they, their neighborhood, the, the stores are empty. There's no food 
and a lot of their uh, neighbors are having a very difficult time. And so uh, they were trying to raise some funds um, to, um, to help purchase food and bring it into the city for about 75 or so families. And so uh, pray for that. In fact, uh, probably next Sunday, uh, why don't we just plan on uh, you guys praying this week about that issue. Uh, I know we do have a few funds and a few extra dollars in our missions account uh, here at the church, and I'll talk to the deacons this week about that. And maybe next Sunday, why don't we discuss it as a church and see if there's maybe some way we could be a help to them, all right? And uh, if you'd make that a matter of prayer this week, and then we'll, we'll discuss and talk about it next Sunday, see if we can do something there. Uh, all right? Anything else? All right, Ms. Seals? Yes. Uh, we didn't mention him yet, but, but yes, do be, pray for Alan West. Yes, continue pray. Yes, ma'am. Yes. Yes, absolutely. All right. Pray for our country and our president. And uh, there's a lot of turmoil here. And, uh, <coughs> you know, I'm okay with using common sense uh, to protect people uh, when there's an issue. But the things we're looking at now uh, are things that are directly targeting churches. And we're at the point where some people have got to start standing up and speaking out about it. And there's going to come a time very, very quickly, uh, if it doesn't happen this time around, they're testing the waters now to see how it's going to happen. Um, we're going to have to make a choice. And um, so be praying that God will intervene and give our leaders an awakening <clears throat> and uh, some understanding of the times and uh, that maybe God will, uh, will cause this to be... Uh, just kind of uh, dealt with and taken care of so we don't have to go through that. All right, so pray for that. Anything else very quickly? I feel like I'm missing uh, some requests this morning. Uh, I apologize for that. I've got some on my mind. Pray for Miss Linda and Brother Richard's sister, half-sister. Uh, continue to pray for her. And um, was it your brother that you asked prayer for last week, I think? Brother Ron. Wait, right. Okay. So pray for Brother Ron. And also, um, I did just think of the one, the Uber driver, Miss Kimmy's Uber driver, Debbie, that we've been praying for. Uh, continue to pray for her. I understand she is under hospice care and uh, not doing real well. So unless God intervenes, probably uh, going to go home to heaven pretty soon. So pray for the family there in comfort. She is saved, and we thank the Lord for that and uh, had the testimony. <clears throat> now, I mentioned Wednesday night. Uh, something that was just a great encouragement and, and uh, joy to my heart. Uh, about seven or eight months ago, um, a lady named Kathy up north and west of St. Charles area, uh, about an hour and a half away from here, uh, Miss Kimmy's sister uh, was her caretaker, but she was involved in a, an accident about uh, probably 10 or 12 years ago that made her a paraplegic, and she became bedfast, and then she went through a lot of depression. Um, in the course of all of that, her husband left her, and so uh, had a very, very difficult time. And they had been asking uh, for some pastors in the area to come visit her, and apparently nobody would come visit her. And, boy, what a shame. And so Miss Kimmy's uh, sister asked if we knew anybody that would go visit her, and I said, well, I'll, I'll go up there. You know, that's an hour and a half away. But So we went up there, and that was uh, about seven or eight months ago. 
and had a great visit, just an enjoyable visit, and encouraged her, spent probably about an hour sharing the plan of salvation with her. She had a lot of questions and a lot of things she didn't understand. She didn't trust Christ as her Savior that night, and I really went away rejoicing in the visit, but you know how you feel when somebody sees that they need to be saved and they don't choose to be saved at that point, how your heart just kind of sinks. And um, so anyway, uh, short story long, uh, uh, a few about a month or so ago, I guess, she was on the phone with her brother who was uh, very sick. And while she was on the phone talking to him, he did pass away. And uh, they were very concerned because of the, the depression and stuff she'd had. Uh, very concerned about her that she may uh, have a very difficult time with it. But in the course of that, she's been reading her Bible. She asked her, her uh, Miss Kimmy's sister for a Bible uh, the week after I had visited with her. In fact, the very next day she'd asked for a Bible. And she's been reading her Bible for seven or eight months. And uh, last week, I think it was on Tuesday, uh, she trusted Christ as her Savior. And uh, I say all that to say this. Uh, a lot of times when we share the gospel with people, we, we wonder sometimes, did it do any good? Why are we wasting our time? Did, uh, and, you know, Paul said it this way, there are some that plant and some that water, and then God gives the increase. And, um, you know, the seed was planted. Miss Kimmy's sister has been there encouraging her and trying to help her and has watered that seed. And it took some time, but God gave the increase. And, you know, I think when we get to heaven, there's going to be a lot of people that we witness to, and we thought, boy, what a waste. They didn't trust Christ as their Savior. And we never heard the results of it. But come to find out, God's Word didn't return void. It worked on their hearts. And uh, I don't know about you all, but I was, boy, I was excited about that. I, I couldn't hardly sleep that night. And I thought, boy, God sure is good, isn't He? And uh, that uh, He would keep His Holy Spirit convicting her heart and pricking her and causing her to read and study more and, and understand it. And, boy, what a joy it was to hear that. So I wanted to share that with you. All right, any other requests real quick? If not, we'll go to the Lord in prayer. All right, let's pray. Father, we're so thankful for your word. We pray that you'll bless it and use it this morning as we study. I pray for the next little while that your Holy Spirit will guide and direct us and that we will have a heart that is sensitive. Lord, if there are things in our lives and things in our minds and burdens in our hearts that would distract or keep us from understanding and uh, being sensitive to your Holy Spirit, I pray that you would help us to take those and lay them off to the side and for the next few moments direct our hearts and thoughts towards you. Lord, if there are things in our life that need to be gotten right, I pray that today you would help us to uh, see those things, that we would uh, deal with them and uh, restore that relationship and that fellowship with you. And Father, whatever we... Uh, do today here in this service, I pray that it would bring honor and glory to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, Genesis chapter 41. <clears throat> I appreciate so much Brother Dan filling in last Sunday. And uh, I uh, was glad that you all got some good preaching finally. So, uh, I've always enjoyed uh, hearing Brother Dan preach, and it's always been a blessing. And I thank, thank the Lord that he allowed... Uh, them to be here for the time that he has them here, uh, and for such a time as this that he was able to fill in, and um, for God to use him. And uh, so anyway, we're back in Genesis. Last uh, time I taught, which was I guess two weeks ago, we were in Genesis 40, 
We've been studying the life of Joseph, and I've been so impressed with this as uh, we've gone through his life at the level of spiritual maturity there is in a young man, uh, 17, probably 18, 19, maybe 20 years old at this point. It, it all began when he was 17, and so uh, we don't really have a, a detailed amount of time of, of what it has taken here, but uh, still probably pretty young at this point. And... Uh, he has been put into the prison by Potiphar, and he has helped the butler and the baker uh, with interpreting of their dreams. And he asked the uh, butler, since he knew the butler was the only one that was going to survive uh, through the uh, dreams, he asked the, the butler, he said, I want you, the only thing I ask is that you remember me, don't forget me, and uh, get me out of this place. And uh, sure enough, we found in the very last verse of uh, chapter 40, it says, Yet did not the chief butler remember Joseph, but forget him. And uh, so the last thing that Joseph had asked, uh, the butler, he did. He just forgot him and just went on his own way and was happy with his life. And Joseph is still in prison. We get to chapter 41, and we'll begin reading in verse number 1. And it came to pass at the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed, and behold, he stood by the river. And behold, there came up out of the river seven well-favored kine and fat-fleshed, and they fed in a meadow. And behold, seven other kind came up after them out of the river, ill-favored and lean-fleshed, and stood by the other kind upon the brink of the river. And the ill-favored and the lean-fleshed kind did eat up the seven well-favored and fat kind. So Pharaoh awoke, and he slept and dreamed the second time. And behold, seven years of corn came up upon one stalk, rank and good. And behold, seven thin ears and blasted with the east wind sprung up after them. And the seven thin ears devoured the seven rank and full ears, and Pharaoh awoke, and behold, it was a dream. And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled, and he sent and called for all the magicians of Egypt and all the wise men thereof. And Pharaoh told them his dream, but there was none that could interpret them unto Pharaoh. Then spake the chief butler unto Pharaoh, saying, I do remember my faults this day. Pharaoh was wroth with his servants, and put me in ward in the captain of the guard's house, both me and the chief baker. And we dreamed a dream in one night, I and he. We dreamed each man according to the interpretation of his dream. And there was there with, a, with us a young man, an Hebrew, servant to the captain of the guard. And we told him, and he interpreted to us our dreams to each man according to his dream he did interpret. And it came to pass, as he interpreted to us, so it was. Me he restored unto mine office, and him he hanged. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph, and they brought him hastily out of the dungeon, and he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. And Pharaoh said unto Joseph, I have dreamed a dream, and there is none that, I can, that, that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. There's an awful lot in this chapter, and I, we may be a few weeks on this. But I want us to think about something here. We have the testimony of the butler. We've just read about uh, two weeks ago, the butler and the baker, that had a dream. And uh, here we find that Pharaoh, he has two different dreams that he speaks about. And I've, I've pondered this before, and I've thought about this before, that I don't think this was the only dreams that Pharaoh ever had. Uh, we look at this and we say, well, certainly Pharaoh must have had other dreams. 
why this dream? Why these dreams? What's, what's so incredible about the dreams that he dreamed here that would cause him to believe that there was something significant about them? Now, we live in a time, we live in a day where we have the complete revelation of what God has for us in the Bible. And so we don't have those kinds of uh, things happening today like they did back then when God wanted to speak to somebody many times back then. He would speak to them by the way of a dream. Uh, nowadays, we have His Word, and we can understand what God's will and God's heart is from His Word and through the leading of His Holy Spirit. But understand that back then, when God wanted to accomplish a purpose in a man, many times He would send a dream. And they always knew when the dream was of spiritual significance. In fact, it said in, in uh, chapter 41, if you uh, remember reading it here, in verse number 8, it says, And it came to pass in the morning that his spirit was troubled. Now, it's interesting because I, uh, in the book of Daniel, you'll find that Nebuchadnezzar had a dream. Remember that? And again, he, he did pretty much the same thing the Pharaoh did here, didn't he? And uh, I want to spend a few moments dealing with something that I think we need to understand. And I've, I've made a statement here in the last few Wednesday nights as we've dealt with living by Bible principle that every single one of us are involved in what we would refer to as spiritual warfare every single day. Satan is out trying to destroy Christians. He's out trying to, to battle us. Don't, don't uh, be overly... Um, uh, uh, I, we don't want to overstate the, the abilities of Satan, okay? He's not omnipresent like God. He's not all-powerful like God. In fact, a lot of people think that Satan is the opposite of Jesus Christ, um, that is not the case. Uh, his opposite would be someone like Michael or Gabriel. Uh, again, just an archangel, a created being. And, um, but in Daniel, uh, it tells us that Daniel had prayed and, and asked for an interpretation of a dream that he had had. And the angel was sent from God on the first day. But for 21 days, the angel said, the prince of Persia withstood me. And he had to call for Michael the archangel to come and help him so he could get on through to Daniel and give to him the interpretation of the dream. I say all that to say this, that uh, there were dreams that became of significance to these people because they were out of place and their spirit troubled them. Uh, there's no doubt that Satan many times had control of the leaders, the world leaders at that time. In fact, the, uh, the fact that uh, the angel and Daniel had to uh, had, was withstood by what he referred to as the prince of Persia, the, the demonic influence that was influencing the king of Persia at the time, uh, was powerful enough to hold that angel back. And I don't want to be super spooky about demonology and angelology, but the Bible teaches this stuff, and it does us well to understand uh, these things. And so uh, understand what Pharaoh does here. He has these two dreams. He does recognize their spiritual importance. And I believe this. Uh, obviously, he calls his magicians, doesn't he? And his wise men, the Bible says. Why do you think Pharaoh would have called his wise men and his uh, magicians to interpret a dream? And the reason for that is because they had, they had interpreted dreams for him before and they had been accurate in their interpretation. Now, the reason for that, from a Christian standpoint, as we look at Scripture and understand these things, is that there was an a, uh, influence from Satan on the Pharaoh, 
And they also, he would also not only give Pharaoh dreams sometimes, but he would give the uh, magicians and he would give the wise men the interpretation of it so that Pharaoh would do Satan's bidding. And the reason on this that his spirit was troubled was because this wasn't a dream like the dreams that he had had before. This was a dream that God had given him. And the influence that was in his life from Satan uh, was uh, stunned by this because it couldn't figure out where did this dream come from. I didn't give it to him. And so there was a troubling of the spirit there. The wise men come in. Uh, the magicians come in. The ones who normally would interpret dreams for him and do so accurately. The Bible says they had no idea what it was. They couldn't, they couldn't, they couldn't interpret it because it was something that God had done. In, in this uh, Pharaoh's life. Now, I want us to notice some things here as we get to the dreams and, and, and understand this, that uh, Satan may have um, some temporary time in this earth where he has absolute influence over a lot of people, uh, especially lost people. I will say he still can tempt Christians. He can't possess a Christian, but he can certainly oppress us. He can certainly uh, do things to shoot his uh, darts at us and to try to uh, overcome us. Um, but I want you to understand this, that the Bible says this in the day that we live, greater is he that is in us than he that is in the world. And for a Christian to say, well, Satan made me do it or the devil made me do it, can I tell you this, that's not a valid excuse. Because even though Satan does have some power in this world, he has to answer to God. And I'm thankful that we have the Holy Spirit that lives inside of us. Amen? And we can have victory over sin because of that. So understand that the uh, subjection that there is uh, to the, the, the satanic influences, they have to bow in, in, in uh, obedience to the will of God. They certainly cannot do anything that God does not allow. And any time at all that God just wants to um, intervene and take care of things, He does so at His own will. And he doesn't even struggle to do it. There's, there's no uh, d uh, depleting of his power. There's no uh, uh, exertion on his part. He does so with ease uh, because he's omni omnipotent. He's got all power. So understand this. Uh, don't ever get in the mindset that because Satan's out here and we're in spiritual warfare and he's battling us every day and we're either going to have victory or we're going to have defeat every day. Don't ever get in the mindset that, boy, I just can't have victory in the Christian life. You can God expects us to have victory in the Christian life. And so I want you to understand that. All right, let's get into this in verse number, uh, chapter number 41. And we find that, uh, that uh, Pharaoh is uh, reminded by the butler that there was a young man in the prison that had interpreted his dreams. I want us to, we're going to kind of look at the end of the passage and move our way backwards into it a little bit. Look down with me, if you will, in verse number 14. Then Pharaoh sent and called Joseph... And they brought him hastily out of the dungeon. And he shaved himself and changed his raiment and came in unto Pharaoh. And I'm going to pause for a minute. We're going to do a timeout in the lesson. Hold your thoughts on the lesson for a minute. We're going to take a quick rabbit trail and I'm going to come right back, okay? Why do you think God put in here that he shaved himself and changed his clothes before he went in to see Pharaoh? Is that of, is that of spiritual significance? The Bible says that all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is profitable, isn't it? All of it. The question comes to mind, why would man give more reverence to another man, no matter what position he is in, 
than he would give to Almighty God. Uh, this is not a message on dress. I'm thankful that we can come to God how we are and He's willing to accept us. Amen? However, He is worthy of us showing reverence to Him. And here's, here's Joseph who's lived in the dungeon. I'm sure he's probably unshaven, well, obviously unshaven, probably unclean. He's bid to come into the presence of Pharaoh, who was the world empire leader at the time. And the thing that, that, that just impresses me on this verse is God chose under the inspiration of Scripture to include in our Bibles that when he went to appear before Pharaoh, he cleaned himself up and he put on something nice. I, I, I'm all for wearing the best you have when you spend time in the things of the Lord. Uh, these churches that just have you wear sandals and shorts and flip-flops and come in off the beach. Uh, I've known pastors that have tried to do this, to, to relate. And can I tell you this, that there is something wrong with that picture. Because God is a God that ought to be revered and ought to be respected. And uh, you don't, it's, not a, it's not an issue of, uh, of saying, uh, uh, let me ask you this. You know, if you went to, uh, if you got an invitation this week to go to the White House and have dinner with the president, more than likely they would include a dress code in the invitation. But even if they didn't, most of us would understand that because of the position, whether we like the president or whether we don't like the president is completely beside the point. Whether we're in agreement with the president or whether we're not in agreement with the president is completely beside the point. The position demands respect. And so there is something to be said for being careful of these things. I don't preach a whole lot on dressing. But I think that there ought to be things that are the very best that we have. If it's the best you have and that's all you've got, then wear it. Uh, if it is, if all you've got are your best work clothes, then wear your best work clothes, but wear the best you have. And I want to encourage you in that. Uh, you say, is it sinful to come to God not dressed right? No. No. But there's a reverence there that ought to be taken. God will take us any way we come, and I'm thankful for that. But let's not abuse that liberty. Let's, on our side of it, have a respect and a reverence for Him and say, I want to wear my very best. Clean myself up. Look right. All right, now, enough of the soapbox and rabbit trail. Uh, I just say that because God put it in Scripture. And it almost seems like, okay, that's, that's kind of like, why did He waste the space for that if it's not important? So I think that's an important thing. All right, moving back to uh, verse number uh, 15. Uh, he says, I have dreamed a dream. There is none uh, that can interpret it. And I have heard say of thee that thou canst understand a dream to interpret it. And Joseph answered Pharaoh, and this is a key that I think is to this whole chapter. He said, it is not in me. Now, this is interesting because I, I'm impressed with the character of Joseph. But if there's anything that we can look at as a, a negative on Joseph's life, I believe that we would have to look at the fact that there was some pride in Joseph. There's a reason why, uh, I, I want you to understand this, that man did not fail Joseph by leaving him in prison for two years. God intended for Joseph to be in prison for two more years. Because there was a work that needed to be done in Joseph's life before he could ever come before Pharaoh. 
understand, if you'll go back to Genesis chapter 37 with me, I want you to look at this real quick. While we've not spoken a lot of negative about Joseph, uh, I do believe that this was an area of maturity that he still lacked and that he still needed to grow in before God could fully use him the way that he longed to do so. Verse number 5 of chapter 37, And Joseph dreamed a dream, and he told it his brethren, and they hated him yet the more. The wording of that gives us the idea that this is a typical 17-year-old. Ha ha, I got a dream, and guess what? In my dream, y'all bowed down to me. <laughs> All right? You say, why do you think that? Because his brothers hated him for the dream. There was something about the way, maybe, that Joseph said this. But I want you to notice also, verse number 6, And he said unto them, Here I pray you this dream, which I have dreamed. And he tells, uh, tells them about it. And uh, in verse number 8, it says, His brethren said to him, Shalt thou indeed reign over us, or shalt thou indeed have dominion over us? And they hated him yet the more for his dreams. In verse number 3, it says, Now Israel loved Joseph more than all his children. Because he was the son of his old age and made him a coat of many colors. You know what that says in the modern uh, vernacular of English? He was spoiled. <laughs> it's not in our King James Bible. That's what it's saying. Jacob uh, favored Joseph. Spoiled him rotten. I'm thankful that he still had character for God, but there was a, there was a little bit of a prideful mindset, if you will, about Joseph. If you remember, he rises to the rank uh, in, in Potiphar's house very, very quick, quickly, and Potiphar puts his trust in him. And uh, we don't see uh, a prideful attitude there so much, but we also see that he goes into the prison, and again, very quickly, God puts his hand of blessing on him. He rises in rank. He's elevated very quickly. God continues to bless his life. And when the butler and the baker come to him and say, we've had a dream, Joseph said, hey, uh, in fact, if you remember about it, the first thing he did is he saw they were uh, downcast in their countenance. He said, hey, what can I do to help you? In other words, hey, I've got the answers. Uh, you just tell old Joseph, I'll help you here, okay? Let me be a help to you. And um, when they tell him the dreams, he says, okay, here's the interpretation of it. We get to Pharaoh. He's been in prison two more years. Pharaoh says, here's my dream. And I've heard you can interpret dreams. We don't see the same spirit in Joseph that we saw when he interpreted the dreams for the butler and the baker, do we? Now we see a young man who says, it's not in me. I heard a preacher say this one time. He said, God doesn't, I won't try to get the wording right. God doesn't build a ministry God builds the man to be used in the ministry. So many times, uh, and, and I understand that the Bible says that he says he'll build his church, but understand that the church is people. It's not a building. Uh, that God builds people. God brings us through things in our life for the purpose of building us, drawing us closer to him. There's a reason why God allowed Joseph to remain in prison for two more years. Don't you think it was within God's power to remind the butler to bring it to remembrance just shortly after he got out of the prison? Sure it was. It would have been very easy for God to bring circumstances around for Joseph to immediately go right before Pharaoh. But understand this, that God's timing is always perfect. 
And while we may be ready for things, God may look at our lives and say, we're not quite ready for that yet. It took two more years of Joseph languishing in, in prison for the spirit to be right to come, come before Pharaoh. Because at this point, when Pharaoh comes to him in verse number 16, the Bible says, And Joseph answered Pharaoh, saying, It is not in me. God shall give Pharaoh an answer of peace. A little different answer than he gave when the butler and the baker asked him for their interpretations of their dreams, isn't it? As we get back to the beginning of chapter 41... The Bible says, and it came to pass at the end of two, I want you to notice the word here, full years. These were two years of polishing, if you will. These were not easy years. I mean, these were some pretty rough years for, for Joseph. At the end of two full years that Pharaoh dreamed the dream, God had put in place a time frame of working on Joseph in the one area that I believe is the only thing really negative that we can even look at and say, okay, there was probably a little bit of pride in Joseph's heart. He was the favorite son of his father. God had shown him dreams that he was going to favor him above his brethren. He rises to rank very quickly in Potiphar's house. Even in the prison, he rises in rank very quickly. And as a young man, even though he has great character for the things of God, those things are, are, are certainly telling in his, in his testimony. And we've got to be so careful of this that we understand pride is one of the biggest battles that we face. In fact, it's one of those things that sometimes we cannot even see it in our own lives. We don't realize that it's there. Um. I'll give you a for instance. The, the church that I pastored in Florida, I had grown up in it. My dad started that church in 1966, and I grew up in that church. I loved that church, and my heart was in that church. I went to college, came back, went to work for that church. Was uh, uh, an assistant pastor to my dad for 12 years. And um, when he got cancer, the church uh, asked me to consider being the pastor, and so uh, I became the pastor for eight more years after that, after my dad passed away. And it was right at the beginning of the 2008 recession, and our church struggled very, very badly. I mean, just unbelievably so. And our family struggled. And we went through some amazing times there of, of um, the church just really having some battles. And there were times that I looked at things and I said, boy, it would be so much easier if I'd just go ahead and resign, let somebody more capable come in here and and pastor this church because I knew that I wasn't capable of leading that church. But the thing that kept me there was this thought. My heart is in this church, and I stay here because I love it. I don't think there's another pastor that would be willing to come in and step into this mess that's here and stay with it. And that was the thought of my heart. And can I tell you this? It took a while for me to learn that all that was was pride saying that God can't sustain His church here in this, in this city without me. That's really what I was saying by that. Even though my intention was, I, I, I want to give my heart to this church, I want to be here for this church, it was something that for so many years I didn't even realize was pride. 
And God had to show it to me. And I'll tell you, it's painful sometimes. Sometimes it costs us another couple of years in prison, doesn't it? To learn it. Sometimes it may cost us some time of going through some trials before we finally come to the realization, boy, I've had a little bit of pride there. God had to kind of polish that edge, that rough edge up on me. And I believe that Joseph finds himself in this situation. In just two short years, he goes from the, the bubbly, overconfident man who comes in and says, you have a problem, I'm here to help. You got a dream, hit me with it. I'll, I'll tell you what the interpretation is. To a man who comes before Pharaoh and says, it is not in me. Wouldn't it be wonderful if we could empty ourselves, our vessels, so completely that God could fill us up and use us? If we could get to the place where and somebody said this way, he defined the pride this way, or humility this way. He says, humility is not thinking less of yourself uh, than you ought to, nor is it thinking more of yourself than you ought to. Humility is simply not thinking of yourself. And, uh, you know, we joke around. We, we laugh sometimes. I cut up with some people, and we joke about uh, trying to, to get a handle on this thing of pride. We, we, we joke around about uh, how humble we are. You know, the, the book we wrote, The World's Ten Most Humble Men and How I Trained the Other Nine, you know. And we take pride in our humility. And the sad fact of the matter is, as, as humans, we are very, very proud creatures, aren't we? We're living in a day where our world has said that some things that are an abomination to God are okay that they're right. In fact, they're an alternate lifestyle, they say. And we raise up in arms as Christians. We get angry over those things and we say, oh, no, 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 the Bible says that's an abomination. But you know that the Bible, when it talks about these six things are an abomination, yea, or these six things does God hate, yea, seven are an abomination, you know what the very first one on the list is? Before, before homosexuality and, and immorality you know what the very top of the list one is? A proud look. And yet we don't seem to hate that one as much, do we? We don't seem to talk about that one as much. We tend to coddle it and endure it in our lives. Can I encourage you in this? Let, let's, let's try to get to a place where God doesn't have to keep us two more years in prison to teach us the humility that we need. Uh, let, let's, let's submit ourselves to Him. I, I used to preach and, and for many years would, teach, would preach on uh, surrendering to the Lord with your life. And I used that term over and over and over again in preaching. And several years ago when I first came here uh, to Keith Heights Baptist Church, Brother Randy Casey was preaching one day. And he said, I don't like the word surrender. <laughs> he said, I'd rather see us use the word yield. Because surrender has the idea that we battle, we're warring, and finally we give up because we realize we can't win. Wouldn't it be far better if rather than surrendering to God, we yield to Him and say, Lord, there is no battle to be fought here. I'm already giving myself to You. Before You ever even ask, before there's ever a decision to be made, my answer is already yes. Get to a place of humility when somebody says, I need somebody to serve the Lord for us to say, it is not in me.
But God, but God can do this. And I want to be a vessel used of Him. So I want to encourage you in that today. All right, let's pray together and we'll be dismissed. Father, we're thankful for Your Word. We pray that You'll bless it and use it. Lord, what a valuable thing we learn in the life of Joseph as we take time to look into this chapter and continue it next week. Lord, some uh, unbelievable things many times as we see Your hand at work and realize that there are things in our lives that uh, You long to work in. And I pray that You would help us to have enough spirit of humility, that we would have um, enough uh, of emptying our vessel and saying, Lord, I don't want to use my strength. I don't want to use my talents, my abilities. I want to use your strength. I want to use the talents and the abilities that you give to me. So, Father, help us to be yielded to you. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. All right, we'll be back in about 18 minutes, it looks like.